Everybody comfortable? Yeah. Get your ass up when I'm talking. Hey, take it easy. It's showtime. It's showtime. Yeah. Feel the magic and soul of the YBs. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Take two. It's time for that Davis show with executive producer Ryan Bukovsky. Follow him at Ryan B. Ski and Ryan B. Ski one. I am Kenneth Davis. Follow me at that's Davis on all platforms. It's been a second back this week to, of course, talk sports, particularly Chicago sports and things that are not that are not Chicago sports. I'm sorry. I stammered a little bit like a little uh, vax discussion. But for all you that are vaxxed and unvaxxed, don't worry, it's going to be lighthearted. Uh, definitely some some NBA finals talk. That's nothing to do with Chicago. It'll be a long time before it has anything to do with Chicago. How dare you, sir? Cameron Payne is on that one and oh squad. He is. And he's Cameron Payne in a way that we never believed he could. Um, also, a little bit of Chicago baseball. One team's going one way. The other team's going another. But um, one of them is going the upper. The, the, the Sox, which are moving up, are suffering more injuries, I should say. And the Cubs are looking like sellers, and Jake Arrieta is looking like dog poo. I hate to say that with someone who helped bring the 2016 championship to the north side of Chicago. Um, and again, we got to go up for grabs with Ryan Bukovsky. So, Ryan, let's kick this off. With off top, taking off the tippy. What you got for me? Top. The top. Are you ready? Should we just ready. hit it? Hit it. Any introduction to this? I apologize. You were you're right. So perusing through social media today, I noticed that a throwback classic. All right. This is a classic in the heart of my generation for those songs that last like 40 years. Actually, you see it on viral videos now. As soon as you hear the the bass note, I believe, kick in. The joke is women come running to the dance floor. Doom, 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 doom. So, but it's been flipped. If anybody can think about Cassidy doing a strap it up song to one of his old songs, now you got something that tops that from Juvenile, Manny Fresh, and Mia X. So, also, this is bringing together Cash Money and No Limit. We've never seen this this type of coordination. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, let that ride. So, one thing that stood out to me, <laughs> and I got to know what that bag was like. Mind you, here, uh, and I'm not even to say that it was meant to be like this. We're we're friends of the LGBTQ community plus on this show, the show's past, and on the show's future. And I wasn't even thinking about that when I watched the video until later asking Ryan to add it. I was like, I wonder if whoever had, whoever paid Manny and Juvenile and Mia X to do that song was like, say you a handsome young, did you say young man or young brother, Ryan? Could, but I heard brother. Play, I heard okay. brother. Or Would maybe you like you should it just, again? Maybe you should just play it again. That thing, I'm a handsome young brother. Won't you vax that thing up? They in real life, you need to vax that thing up. Feeling freaky all night, you need to vax that thing up. Girl, you look good. Won't you vax that thing up? All right. It was young brother. Shout out to the handsome young brothers out there. I was one once upon a time. Uh, <laughs> Don't do that. Tears. Dude, when I saw that, I said, when I thought about it, I was like, how much was the bag for Juvie to come out and say that and flip his classic? Uh, I do like the fact that, hey, listen, 
I feel like this. We're both vaxxed, right? I know we did it one just to just to protect ourselves and our family members, correct, Ryan? Mm-hmm. But the problem was we did it too early. You see all these these, these give outs that they give money, marijuana, um, just cash prizes, lottery. Even I think here in Illinois, we're all vaccinated into a lottery. But it's like I should have waited until and been a straggler. And they're giving you all this stuff for you to jump on so they can try to get to a herd immunity, which it looks like it's going to be uh, never that will reach herd immunity. And to the point where they give you back that thing up, t- switched over to vax that thing up. All right. You got to vax that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Speaking of which. You've been out on any dates over the last month or two. No, not official dates, I guess. I've had some meetups with some people in terms of like group meetup kind of thing. But not oh, like you do a group style now. I see how you do it well, down there. Phoenix. I get down. I get down sometimes. But but now since you're out there and you're active, the, the, I guess the question I'm trying to ask you is this. How you lead with are you vax? And if, if that person isn't vax, is it a no go as far as going out on a date or a meetup or something like that? That's a good question. I don't know if I would necessarily broach it right away, but man, because like I'm on the side of vaxing, a lot of people aren't. And I don't know if I want to necessarily just be like, no, get away from me. I don't want to associate ah! with you. But in a way, I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, I, I, I slipped up. I, when we went to the Museum of Science and Industry, I didn't wear a mask. Now I'm vaxxed. Uh, everyone else was wearing a mask in the crew. Um, and I, I, I had just uh, recently, I just felt like, man, I took this experimental vaccine I should be able to be out here in the streets without a mask on. That's what they tell me. Even though they do tell you when you're around unvaxxed people, you should still be protecting yourself. More importantly, my kids aren't vaccinated, so I should have had a mask on. Um, so that makes me uh, leery of being around unvaxxed people. You know what I'm saying? Now, Kelsey today went back to school. She started. They have like a, a pre a pre kindergarten kickoff. So the, the kids that are going to kindergarten and particularly some of them who haven't been in the school classroom can go for this month or whatever. So she started school. So now she's around other students. And uh, I, I would take it that probably the teachers are vaccinated, but you still don't know if they're vaccinated or not. Um, but she's around students again. And that means that there's a probability of bringing home the vaccine. And Kenton hasn't been vaccinated yet. I mean, not the vaccine, the virus, especially particularly the Delta variant. Um, so it's funny getting all the way back to these 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 giveaways as far as you're getting uh, uh, 90s rap, all right, being flipped to get to get backs and also hitting you with the sex is the incentive. Like, you want that love. I'll tell you this, Juvie if they want that loving enough, they're not gonna be worried about being vaxxed, all right. If that if that loving is that important, even though some people have, shout out to everyone, the people that are out dating and so on and so forth who have taken the precaution and sacrificed, um, to not necessarily be getting freaky deaky and been uh, responsible with what they need to do and try not to spread the virus. I'm trying to think of other songs that can be flipped into backs up songs. You know what I, I was thinking? The production what? value really high on that music video. Didn't even really? phone in on that either. No, they left that part of the budget out. They was like, do you want this cash or not? He's like, what are we going? What are we shooting this on? He's like a, a, a Galaxy Eight. 
Deal with it. Hey, some of those <laughs> produce really good stuff. You never know look, with these cameras nowadays. Look, wait, I got something that's totally off topic before we get into the topics, right? You need to go off top on off top. I, I got to go off top on off top, right? I didn't. So we have no batter for this. I didn't have the Ryan has no prep for this one. All right. So I've I've been I grilled out for the fourth, right? You know, it wasn't no fireworks, anything like that. It was just the four of us was grilling, hanging out in the backyard. It was hot, but it was windy enough. But the thing was, this bird flew past my head. I was like, damn, all right, that seemed kind of close. And then the third time he did it, I kind of saw, or she did it, I kind of saw, and it was like the bird was flying like here, right? This bird flew past my head Sunday, Ryan, about 15 to 19 times. All right. I'm talking about it would dive down. And when I was coming into the house, it would fly and land on my neighbor's house, but it would look down directly at me. Were you grilling its babies? What was, what was going on there? Uh, yeah, I was grilling some chicken, though. But um, <laughs> but uh, that could be the key. That could be the key. Uh, but so the funny part is I went to drop my niece off right before we started the show. And Kelsey tells Afton, before I get in the house, I am talking. Can I, so I walk into the house to see a bird look at me on the fence. It flies horizontally past me. And when I enter between the two houses, a bird flies by my head and lands on a neighbor's house. Right. And it's, it's the same thing. So I'm like, I'm not even going to say anything about it because it's just getting this is just getting weird. Right. And Kelsey tells Afton, it's a bird that just flew past daddy's head walking into the crib, right? And Afton's just laughing because she's like, what is going on with you and this bird? Like, she's had the bird sit and perched and look at her, but not this situation. So it's funny, and we were thinking that because uh, the window, there have been bird nests and wondering, are these the, 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 the little baby birds, the chicklings or whatever? What are baby birds called? Yeah, um... I'm blanking, but it's like chickadees. Like, okay. yeah. But these baby birds have perhaps just gotten used to hearing or whatever. You know what I'm saying? The vibe. No, you're way off. You're way off. Is they attacking me? No. The raccoon talked to them. Oh. The raccoon's yeah. in on it. I say, I got that raccoon. All right. Not, no, you don't have to call Peter on me. So. <laughs> Yeah, I got him. No, this is I think I have him. I think I have him. So it hit me. So anybody doesn't know a raccoon was popping out of my garbage can like it was going out of style months back. I mean, it, like at times it was, I think we had an agreement. All right, raccoon, you can have this garbage can after seven o'clock. Right. Six, seven is yours. Right. Instead but, of being your own personal jack in the box when you take it out. Right. Yes. But the problem was it'd be like. 1 p.m. The, in the afternoon and I'm throwing away garbage and this raccoon is asleep. He, it's how comfortable he got. He started sleeping in my garbage cans at times. Right? live here. Oh, oh yeah, why live. not? <laughs> why? It's like Reggie Miller at the Wendy's during the March Madness, right? Why would I ever go home? Um, so anyway, it dawned on me. I went back and replayed the incident, Brian, and the, the incident started. This is what happened, everyone. I was shoveling snow in the alley and you know how you get the garbage cans weighed down by the snow. So I flung open. I only use one of my trash can receptacles. I want to, I only, I recycle, so I don't need to use two. And also it's just in case I have to switch them out. One's cleaner than the other. 
So there's two traps for skepticals. One's next to the gate. Well, both they're both next to the gate. So I flip it over. I flip the one I use up rather to knock the snow down. And when it slams back down, and I'm not paying attention, I flip it up. I get back to uh, shoveling. Oh, I was about to throw something out. I was about to shovel, throw something out. Well, I just finished shoveling. Uh, it slams back down and then it pops back up. So now I'm shook, right? I'm like, what the hell? Just and it, it not alone does it just pop back up, it pops up and it's a raccoon and it runs across the gate. The, the garbage can closest to the gate hops over the gate and while upside down hanging like this, just hangs on and looks at me, right? Right, upside down, tell the birds to be on your ass, right? You just looking at me, right? So I just told him, I was like, go on, raccoon. He actually left or whatever, right? So that was the first encounter, right? When it was like, damn, I, I had known at times in the past I had raccoon in my garbage can because you can look and see the garbage is shredded. And I'm not like, I'm not the type of person where I'm like my garbage properly uh, sacked up. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's no garbage just laying over the can all nasty. No, it's, it's in the trash bag. It's it's nice. I don't want a, a, a horrendous smell or anything like that. Right. Even in the summertime. The juices falling over. Yeah, exactly. The ju- uh, it's nothing worse. And for, you, for being someone who spent part of his life in the PJs, believe me, it's nothing worse. All right. So it hit me, though. Getting back to that story I just gave you. It hit me a month ago. I didn't implement it until this week. I said, you know what? And remember, I was, I, that was like that raccoon didn't get into that garbage can all off vert. Now he jumped out of it off vert. All right. But when he jumped out, he still had to grab on and walk across the other garbage can. So I was setting back up my uh, recycling uh, bin um, gar- re- re- receptacle outside. Right. I was setting it back up how I like to lean it against the gate or whatever. And I was like, let me take this other garbage can that I don't use and let me put it on this side away from that other garbage can because now that raccoon because he's been getting in jumping over the climbing the fence walking across one garbage can and lifting the lid to the active garbage can that's how he's gotten Those in there damn right? thumbs yes yeah, so exactly right these right so I, I i did that and i looked at the garbage and i just threw the garbage out when i was taking my niece home and the garbage and i have watermelon rinds in there so i knew he would go crazy for that my garbage hasn't been messed with because he would have to leap off the top of the rope, the fence, off top. He have to he have to have leapt off of that, land on top of the trash receptacle. But how would he open it now? Because his weight is on top of it, right? Mm. So I think I have remedied the raccoon situation. And as you've said, he's hooked up with the birds, right? To, to I need try. flybys by this MF. Exactly. Until that can goes back where it belongs. These, these birds don't know this, though. All right. And I haven't unleashed them. I got mad drones in this crib, man. All right. I can come at you, birdies. You don't want this drone action. All right. We could go, we can go tit for tat in the sky. All right. If you if you want that. Sky battle. Exactly. <laughs> 2021. <laughs> <laughs> the skies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that it, it just hit me. I wanted to I, I forgot to ask you to add it, but I wanted to talk about these this bird. And I, I mean, a part of me doesn't feel like this bird is being malicious, but then it's kind of like maybe he is. And I'm just I'm hoping that it's not. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just like I think Mr. Nature down is giving me a hmm. Like, it's one thing to fly by someone's head all the time. But when they perch to stare. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's so, a message being sent. So you're saying it was being disrespectful? 
either the raccoon has hooked up with the bird or that bird wants something from the old Ken Davis. <laughs> it's, it's me versus nature. Me making it out with nature. But yeah. And to be fair, back in the day when we would do it with the Dean Davis show, you showed your true colors. Nature, I'm coming in strap. They heard it. They're coming after you. They're like, oh, you're not a part of it? Fine. Coming in strap. We're oh, taking I'm, you I'm down. Coming. Listen, I, can't, I don't believe that you should lay out in the open with nothing but a thin piece of material separating you from the craziness of the outdoors with no what weapon. You, what if you sleep standing up? You're not laying. Is that okay? No, nah, nah, dude. I listen. Okay, okay, okay. Let me ask you this. Is there a lot of crime taking place down there where you live at in Phoenix right now? I don't like I haven't noticed if there mm-hmm. has been. I don't believe so. Okay. Do you do you leave your doors unlocked? Occasionally. Just for even when you go to sleep? No, I'll lock it when I sleep, but if I'm like walking out to a laundry room and it's a decent walk, I'll leave it open. Sometimes I'll just go on a walk in the complex, I'll leave it unlocked. Yeah, that, I don't, that's not that is that's not even what I'm saying as much. But like for instance, like at but home, in terms of am I at all worried about my neighborhood or the complex I'm in? None whatsoever. Okay. I've had but my I, keys on the lock and I think I'd stayed overnight and no one did anything with it. And listen, and I, and I get that, but my point is even in a nice area, you still lock your door. Not, 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 if it's going to be a short trip, yeah, you leave your door unlocked. But if you're going away, you lock your door. If you're going to sleep, you lock your door. Yes. At, mm-hmm. Out in Bartlett, you're growing up. Or in general, do you always just leave the door the door open overnight? Wow, I was in Bartlett in Fox River Grove. We, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, Fox River Grove. I don't know why Bartlett. Why Bartlett did you? I don't know why. Who is somebody is from Bartlett? Is Ken somebody's somebody's from Bartlett? Um, uh, I mean, honestly, in Fox River Grove, there was definitely nights where we left that thing unlocked. Hmm. On purpose, or you just forgot? I'm sure it was mainly forgot, but I think sometimes I try to prove a point on purpose. Okay. So now listen, I know I can leave my front door unlocked here in the city, and no one should walk through walk through my door, but I wouldn't dare risk it. All right? Not a chance. And I apply that same thought process, all right, to being out in the great outdoors. If I don't trust people at home, why the hell would I trust them when there's nothing but a sheet to protect me? On top of that, we're not even talking about the bears. All right, none of the fact they're in the bear game. All right. Oh, I just saw a story. Man in Montana, biking, camping, killed by grizzly. Oh, I'm just saying, and grizzly is, is even worse than a black bear, right? Oh. A grizzly, they just like, dude, you, they, they don't even they like, you're done. That's basically like if you look at the manuals, like what to do with the grizzly bears, like right. uh, uh, pray, pray. All right. Yep. Just, that, that's, that's basically <laughs> it, right? And you think I'm not going to be out there strapped up to at least try to take this grizzly with me? Listen, I know these bears, because the amount of drilling that they have, even if they shoot, if you shoot them, they can still dispatch with you. But I at least want to know. That that bear is coming where he's going to see the afterlife too. It may I may get there a little quicker, but in about a, about thirty minutes, that bear is going to be drifting off to to, to, to never Neverland. All right, and I, in never Neverland, I should wear a spelt. But I'm just saying that no, I don't tr- like listen, a live boy. It doesn't make exactly right. <laughs> just like Peter Pan, it doesn't make sense for me oh. to be out there 
with nothing to protect me. This is like that's the way when like the crazy wacko comes through and escape from the the, the the jailhouse or something, the prison or whatever. And I'm out here like, man, it's all cool. We out here in nature. Nah, bro, I can't do it. I can't. I'm imagining I you as a mix of Leonardo DiCaprio and The Revenant and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando, fully strapped. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that, but man, I and listen. That Where's the, the grenades? There is nothing worse. Then being like, oh, man, I knew better and I still didn't take a precaution, even though, you know, the odds are really less likely. But still, like I never like I get jacked. I get jacked at uh, Yellowstone and all I had to do was strap up. But I decided, no, nah, we all out here on some kumbaya, kumbaya shit. Get to the chopper and bring the- my missile launcher. <laughs> the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's enough. That's enough. We've taken too much time. Let's jump into some sports and talk about these NBA finals where since the game one, um, I know you put it on the text there at the group thread. I believe you asked, was that? No, it was D who asked uh, who everyone has. Um, and I said, I have the, I have the, uh, the, the, I have the Milwaukee Bucks if uh, Giannis is healthy. And they took Giannis off the injury list today. He's not even on the injury list, but he didn't look right last night. You know what I'm saying? He played, he played well enough. But you can still see that he was laboring somewhat. Um, I, you know what? Last night, I'm still going with the Bucks, um, but I'm gonna chalk that up to one that that fan base down in Phoenix because they were they were hyped, and it throws me back to the Bulls' Suns in '93. And I, back then, the Bulls were still playing in the United Center, uh, and that was one of the loudest uh, stadiums in the world. And I, it hit me. I was like, Chicago you know what? Stadium, I didn't. Right? Thank you, Chicago Stadium. It hit me. I was like, you know what? Because Chicago Stadium was so loud, sometimes I don't know if we paid attention to stadiums on the road, right? But I remember thinking like, damn, in 93, those Suns fans were loud as hell. Uh, especially that game where I don't know if they went to double overtimes. I believe it was double overtime and, or it was just overtime and Mike and Chuck both scored 40-something-odd points. Um, but the Bulls ended up winning that game. That was the game basically when Chuck, Chuck, Charles Barkley came to the realization he wasn't going to beat uh, Michael Jordan. Um, and I remember thinking, like, damn, that that place can get. And I don't, I don't think it's the same building, but I just remember like how loud it can get down it's at. Definitely that. not, by the way. Brand yeah. new state, brand new state. But it, they were loud. If, for someone who was talking about you last week, one wanting to extend uh, the, the, the the conference finals uh, because you're just a hater, um, but to sit there and make and it, a lover of partying. Make, but they were they were so loud. Uh, Chris Paul, they didn't really have an answer for for what Chris Paul was giving them. Book did his dizzle. Um, I did like the play of uh, Drew Holiday at times against Chris Paul. I liked that he, he tried to post him up and take advantage of him. But the real thing to me when I'm looking at that 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 game, that first game, dude, y'all, y'all got to take this. This not the time to have Brooke out there. You know what I'm saying? It's just you got to take Brooke out. You you have to take. You got to play small ball five basically. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're really going to go, or you know what? Oh, well, you got to take Brooke out and you insert Portis. You know what I'm saying? And you 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 go from there. But you you have to. They were attacking Brooke. He doesn't necessarily fit when you're running up against that 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 Suns lineup. You know what I'm saying? And that, that to me is the adjustment. Now, maybe it's playing him less minutes if you're still going to start him. But I think Brooke Lopez is hindering you defensively right now with how quickly the, the how quick the Suns are off the dribble. You know what I'm saying? So you you got to do something, and that's what that was my first impression of why they lost the game, and that's the, that's the move. If I'm Mike Boldenholzer, uh, that I have to adapt moving forward in this series. That's the move that I'm going to end up doing. I know. We know, I know how good he is at adjusting. 
especially <laughs> on the fly. It always right. takes a game to even somewhat adjust. I'm with you. That high pick and roll, like that was way too easy. Like mm-hmm. that was easy for an NBA player. That's insanely easy for a guy like Chris Paul. Right. You have to. I even said in the text thread, like, why wouldn't you consider going small, especially when the game was starting to get out of reach late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter? They did make a little run to cut it down, Mm, but then it got out of reach again. Like, Giannis can handle DeAndre Ayton at the five. Mm, He's one of the best defenders in the league, and he's massive. I think that they would have a real size advantage when you're talking about maybe Drew being, like, bring in Jeff Teague. Bring him up as the one or the two and then have you Drew Holiday. You have a ton of ball handling. Chris Middleton's big for his size and you could put him at the three. And then, of course, you know, if you got Giannis at the five, you can do the Portis thing, whatever you need to do. Bring in that, that small extra lineup so that you can really match up with these guys. You can't play. I thought at least in this series, the Bucks size advantage could be a real detriment to the Phoenix Suns. But if you're not going to take advantage of that size because their athleticism on the wing is way better than you, then it's going to amount to nothing. They have to make an adjustment where your size and ath- is good enough and the athleticism isn't you know, detracting from what they're trying to do. Because Brooke and Bo- uh, Bobby Portis being out there, when they got switched off on that primary ball handler, it looked ugly a lot. Yeah. So, again, also you're going to have to talk about when to switch and when not to switch if if you can. Sometimes you're just right. going to have to on a pick and roll. But if you can get over or if it's a player, but depending on who who the player opposite of Chris Paul is, if you can go under. But usually they got they, there's really nobody on that team that you can say you can go under. Uh, you should go under on the pick and roll when it comes to the Phoenix Suns as far as being able to knock down an open right. jumper. I mean, um, if anything, maybe Crowder, but that's about it. And he's never I mean, not even, the ball. Not it, but I mean, you know, Crowder knocking three down in your face. Yeah, he quick. can for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a little more hot and cold. He is. He definitely players. is. But, but see, this is the thing too. As far as playing small, you can also put Middleton in forward. I'm not. We get to talk debate over who your other players would be because not to say that Crowder, like Crowder, is definitely stronger than him. But Crowder isn't really trying to post up anybody. You know what right. I'm saying? So, you know, right. it's not like you, you run the risk of Crowder overpowering Middleton, but on the opposite side of the ball, if Crowder's dead, the Middleton can take him off the dribble. You know what I'm saying? But to, to me, you have, like, you got to get, you got to get Brooke out of there. That's just, you got you to gotta get Brooke out, at least for right now. And also, I, I want to see how they play when they get back to, to Milwaukee. Uh, they, they, all they need to do is split. All right, it things. Right. They need they need to split. You need to get game two, and then you have home court advantage for the time being. Um, just get a split, and then try to get two games in Milwaukee, and then try to finish out either in game six or game seven. That's if uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win. I listen. I have the Milwaukee Bucks winning. I'm slightly rooting more for them, but I'd be happy to see Chris Paul win a championship. Yeah. Period. I'd be ecstatic. All the Chris Paul detractors would have to. They would have to eat. Crow, because this isn't a situation where he's just uh, a bandwagon for a championship. He's one of the crucibles when it comes to this organization and them getting. Like he's actually the most important part of the change there. Even though Devin oh, yeah. Booker is the most important player, he's the mo- he he was the factor that that took them from a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in so long to the NBA Finals. So to see him doing that later in his career. Uh, speaks volume one for his, his talent and his basketball IQ, and I'm, I'm nothing but happy for uh, the, the, the the little angry uh, point guard. 
And shout out to Monty. He's number two, one B in that change around for the Suns. Because you're right, Devin Booker's the most important player. But in terms of changing that direction of the franchise, I think Chris Paul, number one, and then Monty on the side. And just for me, I don't know about you, with the Bucks, way too many empty possessions on the offensive end. And it just seemed like Drew Holiday didn't have it. And he was just pressing a little too much. And if you're going to keep Brooke Lopez in there, can you get a switch and try to dominate offensively so it's a wash what he's given up defensively? I just did. I didn't understand the offense for the Bucks too much. And Middleton played really well. You know, Giannis played pretty good, too. Uh, even Brooke Lopez, he didn't play good enough offensively to offset his defense. But he was nailing threes. I mean, they were getting enough contributions, and I feel like they have enough one-on-one players to beat the Suns. But they gotta, they gotta do more offensively in terms of sharing the ball, or at least moving it around to get some better shots. Or if you're Drew Holiday, you gotta start making these shots. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Or maybe you gotta switch up your defensive scheme too. Like you, you gotta do something else, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and maybe not just drop on the pick and rolls. I love how that was the adjustment for Boone. Right. You know, just drop back and let Chris Paul eat us up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. That that just that just wasn't the look. So right now, do you still have the Bucks winning the series? Yeah, I do. I'm with you. I still think that they can win this series. I mean, that game one was a little damning for sure. They're gonna have to make some serious adjustments, and I'm worried when Coach Bud is in charge of the adjustments, especially against a guy like Monty Williams. But I saw enough good stuff, I think, from the Bucks where I think they can win the series if they can answer that basic high pick and roll and make this a little bit easier, tougher on Phoenix to score. I think that they can still win this series, but they got to win, I think, game two. Like you said, they really need that split. That's a wrap if they don't win game two. I think I'm, so, too. You know, it's a wrap. Because I think with that type of momentum, the Suns are going to come take a game from you. You know, Chris Paul is not going to let that happen where they don't get a game out of you. And then they know they get two stabs at finishing it uh, when they come back uh, and, and, and go back to your stadium. Um, I was, this is the problem, too, that I feared last night. And I feared it before the series. You, you, you brought up Coach Bud versus Monte Williams. But it's Monte Williams and Chris Paul. Like. That's that. So we already think that Mike Budenholzer, when it comes to adaptation, is at a disadvantage. Um, now you're talking about him versus a, another good coach in Monty Williams and, and throw that t- on top of that. The floor general coach and Chris Paul, who's out there live uh, trying to figure out uh, what what you're doing to counteract it. So that to me is where they they better get their their, their ish in gear, because, man, if Chris Paul smells blood in the water. He's going to walk out of there with that championship quick. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, if he knows, all right, I can, I can, I can get you. He's going he's gonna to snap. Do think about it now. He's trying to get a finals MVP on top of it all. I was thinking the same thing. Like, it must be, I talk about legacy cementing. Not only did you finally get the championship you needed, but if you get a finals MVP, that really matters. It matters, dude. So, man, Giannis... Hey, hey, hey. And look, the Bucs have more opportunities to get back. They're young enough to where they can get back here, but you don't want to go up against a healthy net squad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we don't know what's going to take place with Philadelphia. 
Uh, and Toronto's probably only going to suck for about two to three years, or uh, as far as before you you, you side uh, uh, Ujiri if he stays up there, um, they're only going to suck for a brief right. period of time. And then that's I'm not, not playing a, Atlanta again. That's uh, thank you for mentioning Atlanta. So look, you better get it while you can, uh, but they still have an opportunity that that be in the Bucks to, to get a championship in the next couple of years at least. If they get past some of these juggernauts in the Eastern Conference. And how about a little, can they get Giannis in the post a little bit more early, especially too? I feel like he was doing a great job of getting them in foul trail. Obviously, he's not going to make a lot of his free throws, but just slow the game down. Get some guys in trouble with fouls and see if you can get some high percentage looks. And they, I thought they were doing that kind of early, but after it got to about like 13, 15 points, started feeling more and more like it was ISO ball for the Bucks. you know, dribble drive, maybe one pass to Brooke Lopez and that's it. And it's like, come on, get it in the hands of Middleton, get it in the hands of Giannis. Like you got to go down with your guns. I agree. I did think if for the, for a large majority of the game, Giannis tried to adapt to what the team was doing to was was doing offensively without him, because he needs to. He needs to. He needs to fall back sometime and let the, his other teammates kick it off like they kicked it off. I'm talking about primarily Drew Holiday and for uh, Chris Middleton. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. need to let them let them breathe. And I felt like at times he did, but then th- there were times when he still was taking that crazy three where it's like, dude, just y- that's just that's like that you're just giving them you're right. just basically throwing away an offensive series. You know what I'm saying? You just you're just throwing it away. You know what right. I'm saying? Like you, 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 there's no reason necessarily for you to do that. You know what I'm saying? And those are some of the things where it's like, man, come on. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I still think the Bucks can do it, but man, the Suns are definitely on that ass. They have so many wing guys that are so versatile on both ends of the court, whether it's driving to the hoop, shooting, and then being just a menace defensively. They're a really impressive team, no doubt yeah. about it. But the, what's the name? Uh, what's what's the, 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 the European player from the 70s, 60s? Yeah, Sarge is, gets, is out, and you know Sarge is that's a, you want you like a little bit of Sarge on your team. You know that's why I'm like get it like right. get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble and see if you can really take advantage of the size now that Sarge is in there. Yeah, do that, but they they couldn't. So I mean, you you have an opportunity here because Sarge is a good player, and now you're taking out one of their rotational players. But definitely, you know, what I'm saying we'll see, man. But it's time to switch over to the boys of summer. All right, we got two teams moving in two opposite directions, but in some ways, maybe have a similar future. Uh, you have the Cubs who aren't playing well right now. Um, you have Jake Arrieta is giving up crazy runs and walks. In the last oh, man, five games, grand slam. Here's a 92 right down the center. Andrew McCutcheon, can you handle that? Um, you know, the White Sox did something. The White Sox have a similar had a similar situation where they had a player from the past that rejoined them this season, and uh, Adam Eaton, who got DFA'd. I also had right? Carlos Rodon. True, but he really didn't go anywhere. That's true. That's <laughs> right? true. All right, and I know we were talking about baseball's free agents, so we definitely will, will mention him. Um, but you look at the situation now where I was on Lawrence Holmes show last Friday and he was talking about basically his untouchable White Sox players. I didn't get a chance to talk to him about it. I was listening to the show prior to, I, 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 when I was uh, prior to me joining the show, but he didn't add to Yasmani Grandal. 
And I was like, man, you know, yeah, Grandal's having a, f- a fantastic season uh, behind the plate and in front of the plate. Um, and I meant to ask him, but I didn't. But now we know that Yasmani is out with a torn knee ligament or torn knee muscle or ligament. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm unsure. Uh, and he's a, a tendon or a ligament. I think, he's, I think it's a tendon. I think you're right. It's a tendon. Um, he's out for, they're saying a month, but it can be, I think four to six I heard weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Four to six, four to six weeks. Um, you know, it, it gets to the point, like when I, when these things happen to the socks and I'm going to get to you with the Cubs in a second, when it happens to the socks, it makes me feel like this season's a wrap. But then you look in their eight games up. Yeah. In like the division. Talk about silver like, lining. Right. And it's just like they ha- like I want to say like this isn't the year, but they have enough time and at least a long enough leash right now. So far that, that you know, they that that eight games could dissolve real quick with a loser streak and the opponent and the opposing division team going on a hot streak. Uh, but still, you lose Jasmani. And I'm like, you know what? Should I? Should it? Should it be a wrap? But then you look at the fact that Eloy Jimenez and uh, Lewis Robert now are practicing, doing base, doing some baseball work down there um, in Arizona. That um, it's like, well, you know, the 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 cavalry is coming. You know what I'm saying? So see, I feel it's the opposite. Like I would be so down if I was a Sox fan about all the injuries. But sometimes in sports, you see like perfect timing with injuries. And it just feels to me like it's perfect timing in a way, because like you said, you're so far up in the division. And even though you can go on a bad streak, the division is so bad. You should be able to feast on a lot of these teams. And the Sox, to their credit, have been doing that. If they can just not if they can avoid that massive losing streak then probably by the end of September, they'll have the division and we're talking potentially of multiple major guns being added into the lineup from injury. It might be one of those things where the team is just feeling like refreshed and ready to go in the playoffs. Cause we know we got our guys back and we're already in there. I, I feel like it's kind of working for the Sox, even though it's not ideal whatsoever. I do too. Um, and that gets to the question of now, what do you do with the trade deadline? Because is are you being realistic with this amount of injury saying that this team should go all in? Or is it a situation where this is baseball and you never know when you have this window and it could close? So if you think those players are going to be back by the end of August, at, le- at, 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 at the latest um, or at the earliest, do you add or do you hold back and wait and say next year's the year we're going to go for it? You, you don't know if next year's ever going to come. To be honest with you, and I, I mean, me personally, I, I'm probably on the hold them team because I, I thought that they weren't going to win this year. It was probably going to be next year. But you never know when you get there too early, you know. So but what were you, what were you about to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. I would love for them to get like a dude that's a rental this year and just like Eduardo Escobar comes to mind. I believe he's a free agent after the season. He can play anywhere on the diamond. Basically, if you could get that type of guy, just to give you that little extra insurance that in case Robert or uh, Eloy, just for whatever reason, they can't come back or they're struggling or just the fact that, you know, maybe you don't want Nick Madrigal this year at your second base after 60 games on the uh, disabled list. Maybe you'd like uh, Eduardo Escobar there as like just that veteran guy that's been there, been in the playoffs before. I think like for them, don't break the bank. 
Don't give away any major prospects, anything like that. But if you can get that nice rental, almost like as a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. That was one of the, I, he was one of the names I was actually mentioned on Lauren's show that day. Um, definitely. Um, I'm right with now you. it's sounding like Escobar, Frazier, and Trevor Story all of a sudden. Listen, if I, I wouldn't mind them getting somebody that can be here next year. Um, to a certain degree, you know, now if it's, that may be a situation where Frazier, a guy that can play second, but also can go to the outfield. So now you got that right field situation sewn up um, since they yeah. didn't wait for Jock Peterson. And now they got rid of the right fielder that they went after in free agency. Um, well, to be you, fair, he never had a chance without uh, <laughs> that one guy in the clubhouse. Who's that kid again? Who are you talking about? The uh, when the Adam Weiss- Eaton and Chris Sale were freaking out that the kid was uh, no Adam, longer. You talking about uh, Laroche? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ever Jake, since was LaRoche. it Jake Laroche? Adam was like, yeah, Adam was the dad. I dad, believe. yeah, Jake Laroche, uh, who's like in somewhere in college right now. Yeah, he was like in high JUCO. School, I think, He's at like the time. Yeah, like JUCO or I read an article on him maybe four, three month, three or four months ago. I don't know if it was speaking with Athlete. I can't remember who did the article. Uh, but yeah, the whole where he's a leader. He's one of the leaders on the team. Oh man. That was bad business for White Sox, man. That was See, bad. I, I think for Adam Eaton, it, you know, he walked through that clubhouse. He's like, well, no Jake LaRoche. I mean, what am I doing? <laughs> you guys clearly don't have leaders. He was like, what are you talking about? Where's Jake? Um, yeah. Uh, no Chris? No Jake? So Why did I, <laughs> I sign the deal? Get me um, out of so, here. So, yeah, I, I, I may be, depending on the player going out, the Frazier one may, may tickle my ivories a little bit. Um, I like him, too. For the you know, having someone that could play second and also play outfield, outfield play around the diamond, as you said. Um, so that kind of interests. Let's go to the north side, though, man. Listen, one I know last, last thing, though, with the, the Sox, mm-hmm. let me know if you disagree at all. But the one thing that really concerns me is not the injuries. It's the defense. That's what scares me with the Sox. So if you can get a guy to come in, like, sure, Nick Madrigal might be good eventually at defense, but he's not really good right now. If you can shore up a spot for sure, and then you get Robert back out in the outfield, this defense could really change around. Maybe not be one of the best, but be good enough where it's not a concern come playoff Um, time. I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? There's definitely some questions uh, when it comes to defense, especially like Robert being out. Um Tim Anderson in routine plays sometimes throwing issues on the hot on the hot corner with Yoan. Um yeah, it's not the this isn't the most sound defensive team, to say the least. And we know that uh Jose Abreu has improved his defense, but uh he's still never gonna be looked at as the premium uh first first baseman defender um in, in, in MLB. Uh so I agree with that. Uh flipping it up to the north side though. Uh, you said last week that the team should be sellers. Um, uh, is, 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 is everything's on the market now, bro? Like, is we, is it, yeah. is it, yeah. I'll so tell you now, what, Craig, Krim, Craig Kimbrell needs to be certainly just thrown out there because that's just a guy that I would do the Araldis Chapman thing, if anything. Hey, bro, go play somewhere else, come back next year mm-hmm. when you're a free agent. And they could definitely, would get he come back? Would he come back? I, I don't know if he would for sure. I think he likes it here, but yeah, the Cubs might not be in a contender enough the, for yeah. him to even want to come that back. Was my, that was my point. But I think if you could sell him or if you sold him on this place and the vision, I think you could maybe do it, but I would try to at least go that route. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, man, I mean, you got to be listening to everybody and anything at that point. Everybody. But Chris Brown is gone. I mean, the problem for me is like, you got to have some kind of indication of we have the money to sign him or that he wants to sign here. And it feels like both are not there. So if neither of those things are there, I think you got to listen, right? I mean, if he's going to walk, you may as well get a little bit of something, to be honest with you. If he's just going to walk away. Like it just does. Go ahead. They like we've talked about that farm system could use some serious replenishing and they have some nice prospects there, but it's not enough kids where you feel really good about the future. And if they're not going to be players in free agency, because they seem to cry broke all the time, then you need to have a farm system. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Um, You know what? I told you what I would rather do. I would rather resign uh, Chris Bryant and then deal him after next season if things don't look just the same situation as Aaron Arenado or Arenado um with with the, the the Colorado Rockies I would do the same exact thing but sooner perhaps as far as um listen we're not moving in this direction we understand you want to do so but I would want to have the controlling year so that I can get back some prospects that's not going to happen that's in the fantasy world uh why would Chris Bryant do that um, especially right. if you're not giving him the largest contract, perhaps that he can get his hands on. And after his play this season, he's, I mean, there's only going to be so many chairs in this musical chairs that you can land in. He's going to land in a nice one. All right. Like that's, he's going to land in a nice, a nice, he's played himself this season back into getting him a nice comfy seat. And the, the crazy thing is if there's a, if there's a bidding war, cause that's how things going to happen. Uh, if there's a situation where a player dog, this is another thing too. I was watching uh, MLB Central today, and they had a young kid that's part of the Futures team on. I forget his name, but the kid uh, is a utility player. Can play all around the field because they were asking him, you know, do you want to play one position? He said, "Got to be cool at one point, but." I think me being able to play everywhere, but definitely been in the team. And you know, the first person that comes to your mind is Chris Bryant. When you have a player like that, where you don't have to be like, he's a third baseman. There's nothing else we can do with him. Dude, you can play him in the outfield and feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? Like the only place you're not playing this guy is at shortstop second and catcher. All right. That's yeah. the only place outside of pitching. You know, this is the only place that you're, you, 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 you don't, you mean, you don't want to play him playing in the center all the time, but still, you know, you can play with this guy anywhere. And it's not just like he's a defensive stopgap. You plan him anywhere. He comes with the bat too. You know what I'm saying? So I dude, it's his value. And I can't, even, I don't even know who's going to be on the free agent list this off season. Um, so depending on who, but I don't think it's anybody crazy. I think we went through the last couple years of having big names out there. Um, he's at the top of the list or he's at least in the top three. So he's definitely going to get him, get his bread. Um, you, you got to resign Javi, I think. Um, but you, everybody else, man, I think you resign Rizzo because there's nothing. I don't think you can get the, 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 the value back and you can, you can have that transitional leader to the next leader. So for the next guy, you know, kind of like uh, the Yankees, how it went from from uh, uh, Babe uh, to um, uh, um, what's um, I'm just being disrespectful. 
and I don't want to say what I want to say. Uh, Screw Roger the Yankees. Maris, Roger Maris, um, Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio in between them. Uh, Joe DiMaggio. Uh, no, Mixed Joe skirt. DiMaggio. Then I think I don't know if Joe DiMaggio played long enough to when it got to Mickey Mantle. But anyway, just saying again, just that that bridge of player um, to kind of teach you know what I'm saying the the, the 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 chemistry and to kind of teach you know what this team is about moving on to the future players or whatever. But yeah, it's it's sad. And I, I did mention this too. I brought up the 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 situation with the the Sox about he whose name should not be mentioned and how I told D that year when the Sox started off hot. And this was, I believe this was 2016. Uh, this, it, was, it wasn't 2016, it was 2015. I believe it was 2016, though. And uh, people were saying that the Sox should make a trade. I'm like, dude, this team is going to fall on its face. Do not give up something. And at the time, nobody knew Fernando Tessis Jr. was anybody. But the Sox should have. Um but you sat there in in a year, and the Cubs aren't doing that. The Cubs are going to be sellers in a year where you and your heart of hearts knew that you wasn't going to do anything, and you ended up giving away one of the top three players in baseball for the next decade at least. Period. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And after Mike Trout gets too old, and Shohei, unfortunately, is is, is burnt running to the ground from pitching and hitting. It's clear it's going to be Fernando Tessis Jr. You know what I'm saying? And you could put Vlad Jr. Since we're doing the juniors, you can put Vlad Jr. in there, but he's not going to bring you the defense to go along with the bat, especially the desirable position is second. You know what I'm saying? So, but so again, you're actually lucky, Ryan, that your team wasn't still contending right now and ended up trading away another Lou Brock trying to sit yeah. there. And, and get something that they're not going to get uh, looking how this team is built moving forward until they start to reconfigure this outfit. There is a little pressure, though, just because you didn't give away Tatis, but you did give away Schwarber for nothing, and you can't yeah. do that again. Yeah, that's, that's facts. That's definitely facts. All right, but still, listen, still talking a little baseball. We know the all-star representation has been put out there. You have Craig Kimball and Chris Bryant from the Cubs, from the White Sox. You have Liam Hendricks. Um, you have Carlos Rendon. And you have um, Lance Lynn. Thank Lance Lynn. I, I don't know why I blank on Lance Lynn's name. He was right there. I was about to call him James something. And you have Lance Lynn. Uh, look, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with it. I don't think there's any of the Sox everyday players uh, I wonder if, if Yasmani could have been in, in that, though. Outside of that. The batting average too low. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at every all the other metrics off of hitting yeah. what he's doing, it's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, he's he's he's, on, he's, on, he's always been on a base machine, but it's crazy, it's crazy what he's doing offensively. When, you, when it looks like he's having a bad year, he really is having a really good offensive year. Um, so I still think about him perhaps – uh, Timmy hasn't been playing uh, Timmy level. I know from t- after today's game, he's batting like at 307. Uh, Jose hasn't been Jose from last year. Uh, Johan has like nobody's really snapped to where you're like the, the everyday players that they, they necessarily deserved it. What about you on the north side? Who else do you, do you think should have had an opportunity to go? Are you happy just with the two players that got selected? The only thing, and I don't know if I'm necessarily up in arms. I did kind of think maybe uh, Ryan Tapera or Andrew Chafin may be mm. deserving to be in there. They've cooled off a little bit of late, so I guess I can understand. But that's been the strength of the Cubs, if anything, all year has been that bullpen, especially mm. the back end when they have a lead. And I was thinking maybe one of those guys, but 
I'm not going to be up in arms. You got the closer in there. So that's pretty fair to begin with. And yeah, I mean, Chris Bryan, I think, is the only other player really deserving of any type of all-star. Not maybe Wilson Contreras, just because there's not a lot of good catchers in general. And he has like the power numbers in the NL for catchers. But I don't think he's had an all-star season per se. Okay. Okay. All righty. You know what time it is. It is that time to go up for grabs. Ryan Bukovetsky, Ryan B. Ski, what do you have for me? I only got one for you today, and it was recent news of the guy I've been looking up a lot lately, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his XFL league. They are no longer in talks with the CFL, and I just kind of kind of had the eyebrow raised like an XFL CFL merger. Would that be any type of threat to the NFL? Are you out of your everlasting And I'm not life? saying not saying it would take over, but nothing has been any type of competition, anything to the NFL. Could wait, this wait. be the best? Wait, well, no. The USFL was competition because it was actually snapping up high-profile yeah, players coming that's, up. That's the 80s. Okay, I'm sorry. It took place. It, but they it was they were still snatching up high profile college players. Baseball was still number one sport in the eighties, wasn't well, it? Wait, it, it was kind of transitioning to football at that point. But this, it was. This, but the, the, what I'm still saying is, you're not really a threat until you can get college kids to turn down NFL money. Until you get college kids to be like, oh, you're green, it's green, it's their green. I don't care about the platform. That's how it's going to have to work. Um, also, are they going to play? Which field are they going to play on? A CFL field or XFL field? So you're going to widen the field for the CFL players? Um, also, are you playing? How about home now, field I advantage? I don't watch. I don't watch a ton of um, XFL games, but do they do that that arena league football thing where the receiver can have a head start running up the, the running to, uh, to the line of scrimmage? I think so like, when they re-brought it back, it was basically the same rules as the NFL okay, in terms of so, that motion, man. So, again, I'd I, I, be interested in seeing it. The CF, I would wonder why the CFL would even risk doing something like that. If the CFL just wants to absorb these teams into the CFL, cool. You know, I understand that. But you have something that's working in Canada has been working. I don't know if it's working as well as you want it to work, um, but bringing in the XFL, maybe the XFL, I guess the XFL gets them into the American market. I'm, that's what I'm missing out on. Now that I'm really thinking about it. the XFL gives the CFL access into the American market. And it gives American viewership a better opportunity to see CFL games. Um, so I guess it makes sense, but no, to answer your, your first question, it's not a threat to the NFL. If, listen, if, if it was a threat to the NFL, the NFL would have, would professionally pay to have all that blown up. Like, I mean, if they even felt like, like Dwayne the Rock go, Johnson assassinated, right? They would go lobby to get some taxes through. That's like Canadian football. Like, it was, it was just, I mean, and I'm joking. Check it. Exactly. I'm joking, but no, I don't. There's, I don't think there could be a threat. No, this, uh, you know, another thing that could be used against the NFL that shouldn't, that 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 hasn't in this kind of situation. A uh, football player's shelf life is short, and having opportunities to play someplace else and making money uh, could definitely uh, sit there and be a threat to the NFL. But still, those platforms haven't gained enough traction 
where NFL players that are healthy and good are like, you know what? Let me go over here and see what they're doing. It hasn't gotten to that level. Now, if it can get to that level, you're you're a threat. Uh, but but I mean, I just don't see it happening. You know what I'm saying? Do you think that, that it's a threat? Not necessarily, but I think that there's a market out there like we're starving for football. And I know a lot of people are like, fine with just I'll wait for the NFL. I don't need any of the other stuff. And I know you're one of those. But to me, I think if you put on a really solid, good product that was worth watching outside of the NFL calendar year, I mean, I'd watch it. But I need it more than just jank. You you know how many more good players you have to have around players to to make it look like it's real football. I mean, True. see that's the problem to me. It's like watching MLS, and I mean no disrespect to MLS players, uh, especially for someone like me. Disrespectful facts, especially when you're someone like me who isn't necessarily into uh, football or soccer as as big as everyone else. What's going on on the pitch? But when I'm watching, you know, saying gold gold cup. I'm like, this is a different type. They are moving at yeah. a different speed yeah. right here. They these are yeah. different athletes out here, right? Like you pick up on the skill level. It's just like it's totally. It's like wow. I see why you yeah. guys love why you love this. That's the same way looking at these other leagues compared to the NFL. So but it I doesn't mean, like it doesn't catch get, my eye. I get what players, you're saying. Uh huh. But let me. I want to just counter with one thing. If let's say they got rid of the one and done, college basketball would still be worth watching even though it is total hot garbage compared to the play of the NBA. I would not be watching that JJ Reddick Adam Morrison basketball as much as I watch it when I'm scouting to see who's coming into the draft. Oh, I don't disagree. But I'm you're so, consuming it. I'm not consuming it nearly as much. I'm not. You know not and, and now, and I, you know what to get me consuming it? I, just a player who just who didn't know a, a player who who needed to perhaps to go there and it benefited him. Uh, the Carmelo Anthony's that's the only, that that's, what's going to make me watch it. When you get a Carmelo to go there and he tears it up as far as winning a national championship or something. And I know he's also going to be a star player in NBA. That's really going to be it for me. But I, I do not like watching college basketball where there's teams on top of teams without a premium player on it. And then I'm not thinking about what he would do on my team or another another NBA team as far as killing it. Like just from look, I initially came into college sports to to sit there and scout for the NBA and the NFL. Like that's really because I grew up in Chicago. Um, I I wasn't it wasn't during the time when DePaul was DePaul, even though they still had that WGN contract. And I used to run wonder why Kleinschmidt is on my TV. Right. Even though he was giving buckets, I still was one. Because, again, case in point, I used to look at Kleinschmidt and I used to be like, he ain't going to make it in no NBA. This is a kid. I'd be like, nope. My dad be like, I'd be like, no, nah, daddy. They, he, the guys like this guy, and I'm talking about him being white. I'm just talking about how he was built to his game. I was like, this guy is not going to be, I don't know what position he's going to play in the NBA. All right. And this is a position as basketball. All right. I was like, I don't see no position that this cat can play in. He ain't going to make it. Why is this taking? Why is this taking over my GN television right now? Where the hell right. are the Bulls at? Right, and I mean, so it, it's going to return to that. Well, now I do, I like college sports more, um, but still, it's not going to be. If I'm not, dude, a lot of reasons why I'm tuning into college basketball is because the teams got premium talent and rivalries, and I'm scouting to see who's coming into the draft. That's a large component of me checking out college basketball. Well, that's that's where I think. I think a league could not necessarily be a threat, 
but that's what you hit on. Like if you're going to be playing in the spring or something like that, or you find a way maybe right after the Super Bowl ends, like if you can get some guys from college or some prospects that will intrigue me, I think that that plus just having football, I think that that could eventually develop. I'm fine with taking a break from football. I was on the, the Halitech Hall show today and we did under center today. Uh, so check that out tomorrow. I can't believe this. The under center man is fine with a break from football. That is the old Ken Davis. You are not allowed to say that anymore, my friend. No, because I'm not getting Bears football. I'm, you're talking about me tuning into XFL CFL. Right. And that's XFL when I took Chicago. That's when, that's when I take my break. I'm like, all right, time to break. All right. What I wasn't. Were we? The enforcers or something. Yeah, it was some. It was something to do with Al Capone or something that I don't know. So I right, just force you onto the no, TV of no, XFL, baby. No, no. I'm, I, it's t- it's other sport. Watch a little baseball. Watch some bas- basketball. Enjoy yeah, the fun. summertime. Summer. You know, but I don't need to sit there. I get enough football. They gave us another game of football. It's okay to take a break from football. I'm gonna miss football. Know. I'm gonna miss football in about two weeks. Right. It's when it's really going to be like uh, it's nothing. It's nothing but baseball. OK, I know football is coming. I'm going to miss football. But no, I've enjoyed it because, dude, we got you know how how consumed we have to be about football. I love football, but just and then not just think about this year, how consumed I have to be about football. I'm happy with a break away. I do do it. I'm making not me. I'm being that. Let me not say me. Yeah, let's get the violin going here. Oh, the poor under center podcast. No, no, no. It's a break these, from football. These guys, these guys, the crew, uh, Eric, Alex, and Tony, and myself, uh, just coming up with ideas. Tony came up with a terrific idea today. Uh, we did um, our own NFC North fantasy draft. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was Aaron Rodgers on the board? Or is he retired? (laughs) No, quick story. Tony had the first pick, right? Oh, God. He trades him. He trades him and moves to fourth so he can double pick, right? It's only four people. It's only a four-person draft. So he's snaking. He's snaking. So he's like, I don't want the pressure going number one because, you know, basically I should pick Aaron Rodgers and who knows if he's going to play. So... All right. So Alex went, Eric went. I'm three now. It went Dalvin Cook. And who did? Wait, Eric's? so this is just for like NFC North. Just NFC my North. fantasy team. This is NFC North fantasy team points only. So we're not building a team, the best team to go out there on a Sunday. We're building a team that can win fantasy points and win a fantasy game. That's what it is. Okay. All right. So uh, he went. What did Eric go? Who did Eric, Eric went with uh, Aaron um, Jones? I was Aaron Jones, say, right? You. I you was thinking Aaron him Jones. number one because Dalvin so, Cook, you know, he's going down at some that's point. That's what Tony said. Tony was like, you know, Dalvin Cook's going to get hurt. So now they took both of those running backs off the board, right? So now I have to take David Montgomery or what? What am I going <laughs> to well, do? Well, he doesn't run the ball because his coach doesn't let him. Right. And I'm not dissing David Montgomery, but I'm thinking <laughs> right. about okay, David, David Montgomery. I said, well, if F it, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. He threw a monkey wrench in Tony's plan right there. I took Aaron Rodgers, and, but then it's a kicker. He takes Justin Jefferson and Don, he takes Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson with the snake, his snake picks. So he takes both basically the top receivers off of the board, right? So then I ended up, I know the next opportunity was mine. I believe then I drafted David Montgomery. But 
yeah, it was a pretty interesting uh, show. So go Ooh, check out no that Alan show. Robinson, huh? He was gone. He was gone by the time I came back around. He was okay. gone. I would have wouldn't admit a question. He was gone by the time I came because it was just stealing. It was just stealing. Allen Robinson left as the next two receivers. So Allen Al Robinson went. You know, he probably went after because what? Then who goes after? Tony goes back to back. Then I go. Yeah. So I took David Montgomery because I needed a running back, even though I could have taken Allen Robinson there and hoped that maybe I was going to get Swift from Detroit. Um, but yeah, that was that was that. And as we go and digress into a whole nother show on All our right. show, <laughs> on our we show. have to break down your fantasy se- selections. <laughs> gotta analyze show. it. Yeah. I gotta be but, Mel uh, Kiper here. That's a bad pick that early in the draft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but listen, definitely, we always appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to hang out with us as we ran rave about raccoons outdoors and birds attacking me. Like Alfred Hitchcock's Alfred Hitchcock movies, uh, but always, man, just remember, man, don't do anything crazy before uh, you hear from us again, man. And uh, thanks.